Welcome to Ball Court, World of Basketball. I am Coach Drew. We got a great story for us today. Yup, the Bucks streak is over. Lakers are still hot, and we got a new episode of Rody and the Beard, the comeback, right here on Ball Court. Welcome to Ball Court. I am Coach Drew. This is the world of basketball, and it's been a crazy world this week, and I can tell you right now, Certain things has changed, but certain things haven't. No, they haven't. Yes, the Lakers are still on top with the best record in basketball, and now it's decidedly best record in basketball. Right now, sitting at the top of the standings at 24-3. and three. Yeah. Did y'all think differently? Did y'all think they were going to lose? I didn't. Well, actually, in this one game that they played that we're going to talk about right now against... Atlanta, they came out, it, it looks like a close game. Yes, this final score was 101 to 96. And we all sitting here thinking to ourselves, well, man, they barely got out of that one. The score is a lot closer than the game looked. Actually, the game, they had a great time. LeBron was having fun. I could clearly see that. When you take a look at this video right here, we see Rondo throwing that fake pass to LeBron. And then LeBron faking the block. Why not have fun out there? You're doing the best job that you can, doing it to the highest level of your ability. As a matter of fact, you know what? Why don't you do a no-look pass too, LeBron? Oh, there it goes. Right to Dwight Howard for the slam. I'm telling you, right now, they are playing at a high level. LeBron dropped 32 in that game. And of course, with 32 points, you could think to yourself, that's probably all he did. But no, he has seven assists and 13 rebounds to add to that. Another double-double for LeBron. He's the king. And now let's also speak of his teammates as well. Dwight Howard jumped up the leaderboard. Now he's 15 in blocks, you know, pounding them out. Blocking, defense, the sole thing that they asked him to do, defend and rebound. He's doing it. How could you not be happy to be a Lakers fan right now? I am absolutely excited. And I'm telling you, LeBron is actually playing at the top of his game. You can see it. Maybe he was energized by something that happened over the weekend for him. More to come. That's called foreshadowing. <laughs> Next, we're going to talk about the Thunder. Man, the Thunder was rolling. I thought they were out here playing a different level of basketball against the Bulls. Yes, the Thunder was losing to the Bulls. They were down by a tremendous amount, and they rallied back. I'm talking they rallied back. It was a 26-point comeback, and everybody participated. Chris Paul dropped 30 points, had 10 rebounds, and 8 assists, dishing out to each and every person, making sure people were feeling comfortable. Gallinari even dropped in 22 points, and Schroeder had 18 points along with that. I'm telling you, it was a team effort. Now... There was a lot of things coming about, speaking about how Walker and Kobe White was taking pictures with Chris Paul after the game. People from Chicago were saying that they weren't into it. They weren't as devastated as they were. Of course they weren't. Uh, yes, it is their job. They are men did. They fight those games. They play hard. But after the game, they do realize it is a job. If they are devastated after each and every loss, especially a comeback loss in any fashion, they will be burnt out before the middle of their rookie season. So, Chicago, please, let's calm down a little bit. But with that said, let's just go ahead and take a look at some backstories and why, why Walker and White was taking a picture with Chris Paul. Did you know that actually they were both elite athletes on the CP3 travel team, on the AAU team? Yeah, they play for Team CP3, so of course they're going to take pictures with him. This was one of their idols growing up, and now they had the opportunity to play against them. And they played very well. But once again, Chris Paul was there to put on a clinic, and that's exactly what he did. And as you can clearly see the reasons why he was able to do it, these were his students, so he had to school them. That's what he does. Next, we're going to go ahead and talk about Dallas. Yes, Dallas Mavericks. And I know when I talk about the Dallas Mavericks, every time I bring them up, I call out Luka legend, and we talk about how Luka did this and did that. But this time, Luka was out injured, and Dallas had to play the Bucks. 
Yes, you heard me right. The one team that had a longer win streak than the Lakers this season. I'm talking the 18-win streak Bucks, Number one in the Eastern Conference, Bucks. Giannis Anatokounmpo having Bucks. They had to play against them without their superstar Luka. So guess what happened? Dallas won. Yeah, Dallas won. It was absolutely crazy. 120 to 116, they were able to pull it out. Now, I know what you're thinking. If they won without Luka, Giannis had to have a horrible game. He didn't. He had 48 points, 14 rebounds. A magnificent game. MVP-level game. He, he was played at the highest level. But guess what? They was a unicorn sighting. Chris Porzingis, he also played a great game as well. Coming in, dropping 26 points, 4 assists, and 12 rebounds. But most of all, he played a defensive game. He had two blocks. As a big man this year, one of my key things about Porzingis was after the injury, it didn't seem like he had that desire to get back into the paint. He didn't seem like he was a big man willing to bully. You know, the big man's of old, like you saw in the 90s, who used to scrap and go back and forth with each other, like, like, like a Patrick Hewen, per se. He wasn't looking like that. He was looking like these new age big men. He hung around the three-point line. He didn't take advantage of the smaller players. And he didn't do things of that nature. But not tonight. He was in there bumping bodies, going at it. He looked absolutely great. And guess what? Guess what? This is another time that I'm going to go ahead and say this name this season. Not referring to a former MVP. Curry was on fire. I'm talking Seth Curry. Not Steph. I'm sorry, Golden State. I apologize. I don't mean to rub it in. But it is what it is. Seth was hot. 26 points. I'm talking five assists. This man was looking like his brother. He made everybody feel comfortable knowing that Steph is still at home. They said, huh. Golden State fans, I'm going to tell you the truth. Watching Seth, didn't it make you feel, think to yourself, like, at least we ain't the Knicks. You know, <laughs> but God bless him. I can tell you. Now, next, this person, first time double-double. I guess he decided that he wanted to make sure they got this win. Jalen Brun uh, Brunson. Yes, Jalen Brunson. I had to look at my card again. I was absolutely shocked by this. He had 13 points, 11 assists, 4 rebounds, and a steal. And this is his first career ever double-double. And it came in a momentous moment, beating the Milwaukee Bucks and breaking that streak. Now, everyone, stop. I want you to relax, calm down in Milwaukee. Please do not flip those cars and set that building on fire. This is no time to panic at this moment. Yes, the streak was broken, but we do understand that this has been the longest streak since 2015-2016 Golden State Warriors 73 game win season. It is okay that this streak is broken. You are on your path to an amazing season. And it turns out it looked like it's going to be an amazing matchup at that. You're going, you're going head to head right now. And it looked like these two trains coming, one from the East Coast, one from the West Coast, is eventually going to meet in the finals. And me... Myself, I am dying to see it. I cannot wait to see it. And guess what? We are going to get a preview on Thursday when the Lakers play against the Bucks. I'm going to be exactly so happy to watch that. I, I'm probably going to be turning off my phone and uh, I won't be checking any of my mentions or my inbox or anything because I will be so focused on that game. It's going to be MVPs matching up, a possible defensive player of the year, going against the former MVP. If you don't want to watch that, you don't like basketball. I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. Maybe it's because of my voice. It's my voice. I think it is. But you better want to watch that because that's basketball at its best. That is basketball at its best. Now, next, we're going to go to the saga of Brody and the Beard. Yes, Brody and the Beard. We all love a great great comeback story we all watched we are Marshall and cried when the team crashed and they came back and rebuilt that team to win we all watched Rudy and saw when he got those what two three yards 
We jumped and celebrated. We all did that. We loved a great comeback story. And with the saga of Brody and the Bear, they did not let us down. What every story needs is a great comeback. And yes, that's exactly what they did. They were down 45 points at one point, and they fought their way back. One of the biggest comebacks in Rockets history. Now you think to yourself, how could that happen? James Harden's a selfish player. He's no way he's gonna be able to, he's gonna be able to cause that to happen. And 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 Brody, do you think Russell Westbrook is gonna take his foot off the gas for a second? Well, it did happen. His foot did come off the gas because in the first half, Russell Westbrook had 25 points and he looked phenomenal. But it wasn't enough. They needed something else to push their way back. And I'm going to tell you, James Harden came down, screeching down the court, setting up space with his step backs, as well as using that dribble, that offhand dribble, to change directions on players. It was absolutely crazy. They won this game. Now, mind you, won the game 109 to 107. I'm sorry, not 45. It was a 25-point comeback. It was 109 to 107, right? And this... And let me tell you, it was a phenomenal comeback. The type of play that you expect from a contender in the West. Now, they were playing the Spurs. I'm not saying the Spurs are a bad team, but I'm not saying that they're an elite team. But clearly, a Greg Popovich team knows how to put you away. And the simple fact of the matter that a Mike D'Antoni coach team was able to come back against a Greg Popovich coach team is something that is phenomenal in itself. But the mixture that you did not believe that it could work is something that made me think to myself, this is something you can see in the playoffs. This right here was one of those implications that been made that say, hey, you know what? There may be some playoff hope for them Rockets yet. If they could pull off a win like this during the season, this is something that they can go back to later on in the year during that playoff games that they need and dig back and say, hey, we did this then. We can do this now. Let's hope that Mike D'Antoni formula works in the playoffs because it didn't before. All right. So next, we're going to go ahead and talk about the God himself. He had a glorious day. I'm talking about Melo. Yes, another close one. This was another close game. We had some great basketball over the weekend, so if y'all were not watching, I apologize to you. I am so sorry that you had anything else to do. And if your wife told you to cut the lawn or do any, anything of that, remember, Christmas is coming, so you know what the, this kind of thing is. See what kind of gifts she gets for making you miss this weekend, okay? So, Portland versus Phoenix. It was 111 to 110. Yeah, if you, didn't, if you didn't catch that game, you should be very upset. Let me tell you, Carmelo Anthony had 23 points. To add to C.J. McCollum's 30 points and Damian Lillard's 27 points. They were absolutely on fire. And not to mention, not to mention, Phoenix wasn't laying down. They had six players in double figures. Six players in double figures. They were not laying down. This was not an easy game. But Carmelo decided that it was going to be that game. Melo the God showed up. Four of six from three-point range. Eight rebounds. Two steals. Three blocks. Three blocks. They thought he was too old, huh? Think about this. 23 points. Four of six from three. Eight rebounds. Three, two steals and three blocks. And he was sitting home. We had to have a segment called Why Isn't Melo Signed? Now, the new segment should be Why did y'all pass up on Melo? Why did the other 29 teams turn their head? Hey, Phoenix, you could have used Melo that night. That little, that was a little extra. And that's an amazing thing. Imagine now going into the, uh, going into the trade of season that they pick up one or two more pieces. Now Portland becomes a major player after starting off the season looking like they were going to be the flop of the West. You know what they say, it's not where you start, but it's where you finish. 
Great job, great job. They had a hot third quarter, by the way. If you want to know what pulled them back, it was in the third quarter. They lit it up. They outscored them by 10 in the third quarter. And then after that, even though they were outscored by one, it was still too much. They got it. It was a beautiful win. Beautiful win. Now, I'm doing a segment that used to be called Why is Carmelo Not Signed? But Jay Crawford has now taken over that segment. I want to ask you, why is Jay Crawford not signed? Last year, he played for the Phoenix Suns, ironically enough, which just lost by one to a player that just was signed going through the same position that Jamal Crawford was going through. He he played 64 games for them, has 7.2 points, 18 minutes a game. And let's go ahead and take a look. I understand 7.2 points is not a high amount, but it is definitely a decent contribution in 18 minutes per game. So it was clearly stated and clearly seen in the past that he is willing to go ahead and take a less of a role. So that can't be the case. 7.2 points a game, that can't be the case. And as a matter of fact, did you know that Jamal Crawford has the most points scored by a person who did not make an all-star team? Yes, with 19,414 points. So it can't be that he cannot put the ball in the hole. He's a walking bucket. Is it because of the lack of defense, or is it the fact that the way the game has changed defensively, he may not be as needed as, as we would hope? But I definitely hope that somebody finds a place for him, especially right now with uh, the trade deadline coming coming up, as well as the trade season going on. I'm hoping right after we could go ahead and look to pick him up somewhere where he's going to actually fit and get playing time. Because I'd hate to see him sitting around like a decoration. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and call up some people and see what they could do. I'm going to take a break right now. We're going to make a phone call. We're going to be right back with more ball court. I'm Coach Drew. This is the World of Basketball. Welcome back to Ball Court. I am Coach Drew. This is the world of basketball. And with the world of basketball, we always have to talk about all of basketball, even college hoops. I love college hoops. As a matter of fact, I could only think of few people who don't. And they probably all root for UC Riverside. Yes, um, the Oregon Ducks women's played against UC Riverside, number three Oregon Duck women, and they beat them 84 to 41. Why would I talk about this? You're saying, this was a blowout game. Why are you going to even talk about it? Let me tell you why, because Jazz Shelley forced me to. In this game, she dropped 32 points. I'm talking 10 threes she hit, making it the school, hitting the school record for Oregon with the most threes in a single game. Now, you think to yourself, with the level of talent that Oregon has, could this be the only part of the story? Let's think. Absolutely not. Yes, Sabrina... We all know her as just Sabrina, but to the people who don't know, it's Sabrina Ionescu. She is one of the best prolific scorers of her time. I mean, she's an everything player. She's the type of player that's strong. She's strong-minded, strong-willed. She moves the ball correctly. She gets her teammates involved. She plays ball on both ends of the court. And no, when you hear people say that they play ball on both ends of the court, you're supposed to. But she's one of the players, the few players nowadays that does it. As a matter of fact, let me tell you about the elite level that she's at. On the, in that game against UC Riverside, she had her 20th career triple-double. Yes, 20th career triple-double. That is the fastest. She was the second fastest player in the WNBA, NBA and NC2A Division I player to ever reach this level. Now, let me go ahead and tell you who the fastest player was. That was Oscar Robinson. He did it within 45 games. She's did it in 119 games. Mind you, ahead of anybody else, she did this in 119 games. And let me tell you about that game that she had. 16 points, 18 rebounds, as well as 12 assists. I'm telling you, she was all over the place. She does, she does things in the correct manner. This is what a lot of the skills trainers, we sit around and we talk about 
how is basketball evolving? A lot of people see it. Uh, I talk to some co-hosts. Uh, I talk to some of the people on our network, and we all see and we come up with the same thing. The art of basketball is going away. People are losing how to play basketball the minimum way, the minimum skills of basketball. Apparently, Sabrina is holding on to that. She understands the dying art form of basketball, and she's holding on, and she's going to make sure that no future knows how basketball should be played. Good job, Sabrina. Good job, Oregon Duck women. Keep doing your thing. We're going to keep on watching you. We're going to keep on talking about it. We're going to make sure that we get, we're going to be there when you hit that 40 triple, that 40 triple doubles. I believe you're going to hit that this year. Oh, hopefully, fingers crossed. All right, now, I know a lot of you have heard this, that Sunday Tar Heels took a loss to Walford. That's the uh, boys basketball team has lost to Walford and fell out of the top 25. This is the first time they've been out of the top 25 since 2014. Now, February of 2014. Now, this is a sad event because last time they lost to Walford, December 17, uh, 2017, we knew that there was still brighter future for North Carolina and the Tar Heels looking forward. Now, with Cole Anthony sideline, we stop and think to ourselves, what is next for the Tar Heels? When is this slide going to end? Does it end with just falling out of the top 25? Does it end with this loss to Walford? You could clearly see in that game, they just did not have enough offense. They did not have enough people putting the ball in the hole. There wasn't somebody you can go to that would energize a team to push it that further distance. It looked woeful. If you, if you will. It looked pretty sad. Now, we watched a number of uh, number ones fall to unranked teams this year. We saw Duke fall to Evansville. It didn't look like they just couldn't score. It looked like Evansville came out and played a fantastic game. No, I'm sorry. It, Kansas fell to Evansville, and Ev Evansville played a fantastic game. Duke fell to Stephen F. Austin. And Stephen F. Austin played their hearts out. They played great defense. They played great offense. The thing was that I saw when I watched Walford play, they played like Walford. It didn't look anything special. It looked like a decent team, pushing hard, playing great defense, but nothing above and beyond. What I did see was a North Carolina team that looked shell-shocked that looked without their leader, they were unable to go ahead and move forward. So, it, it puts a little doubt into my mind for the end of this season and next season, because clearly Cole Anthony is going to be into the draft. So where are they going to be next season? What's going to happen later on this season if he doesn't come back in time? Do they make the NC two ways? And if they're not in the tournament, what happens to North Carolina next year? These are questions that we all want to look at. Falling out of the top 25 is not a big thing. It's not something that's going to absolutely destroy your season. Look at Texas Tech. They fell out of the top 25, fought their way back in. Now they're looking at, now they're sitting at 23, I believe, or 24. Right? They're working their way back up. It can happen. There's still a lot of basketball in the season. But when you fall out of the top 25 in that fashion, which your star sitting out hurt, it leads us to believe. What's next? Where do we go? That's college basketball. We're going to go ahead and take a look at the world. This is NBL, so let's go ahead and jump right into it. Yes, yes, yes. We're going to talk about the Hawks and Melbourne United. And unfortunately, when we're talking about the Hawks, we are not going to be talking about LaMelo Ball today. He is still injured. He'll be sitting out a month with that foot injury that we reported on last week. And yes, all of us are hurt by it. Some people are saying that it's just a little strategy that he's using, conspiracy theory, just so he can stay fresh for the draft. But clearly, the Hawks has disputed that theory. They've debunked it. He is clearly injured. He's resting. He got to get back. They want to make sure that they get a push at their second half of their season. So by no means do I feel that he's faking it. But I'm watching him cheer for his team, and that made me feel great. 
because they talk about the LaMelo Ball being a selfish player sometimes. I see him as a team player. He's very, very team oriented. From Chino Hills to uh, uh, to playing in um, in Lithuania to playing over in in the NBL. I see that he's a very team oriented player. He falls in with the team. He stays with the team. He's very respectful of the team. So I kind of like to see him cheer like that. And now at this point, when he is cheering in the game. It is a good feeling because the Hawks were beaten United. But that feeling didn't last for very long because of a man named Sean Long who had 21 points, 14 rebounds, and four blocks. And yes, that turned around the game. United beat the Hawks 94 to 73, and that was a very decisive fashion. As a matter of fact, let's talk about some decisive games. I want to talk about the best game. Hands down, the best game that I watched on the NBL this year. And if you are not watching the games, please check out Viceland. Please check out these games. These are some fire games. Matter of fact, I saw some on ESPN too. So check it out there also. Now, this game was absolutely amazing. It was with the uh, Southeast Melbourne Phoenix versus the Carnes Titans. Now, the Titans are one of the better teams in the league. Just to give you some backstory. But there's this guy, John Roberson. He absolutely went off. He had 32 points, eight three-pointers, four assists. He lit it up in the last six minutes. He went back and forth. He did all the great things that you need to do. A lot of people sit and talk about how do you turn a game around. You have to be ready to shoot. See, when opportunity knocks, you have to be ready. Because if not, opportunities leave it. It's worse than Uber. It's not going to give you five minutes. It's leaving and it will charge you. Trust me. As a matter of fact, this brings us to my next segment called Analyze This. We're going to the videotape. All right? So in this segment, Analyze This, what we normally do, we're going to sit down and break down what are the newest moves or techniques that is being utilized in the league to go ahead and give that an advantage. The number one technique is with shooting, I call this technique diving in. You want to be on your toes, ready to shoot as if you are diving in to a swimming pool, right off of the diving board. So let's go to the video. Yes, we take a look here, and, we, and this is why we're going to pick it up right there. Right where we're going to join right now is our star of today's diving in is going to be my guy, Mr. John Roberson. Look at this. Right off of the toes, he launches for the three. That's how you want to do it. You want to catch and release. Look at this next one. He tips, it goes back, he moves it around, he sets it up. Bam, right off of the toes, he's launching for the three. He's moving around, he's gaining his spot. He get, elevates off of the toes, high release, ease off of the fingertips, and watch how it drops in. Perfect form, great release for John. Now, the next thing that you also want to look at is how you are positioned when you're coming off of those toes. When you move in, you want to catch it right off of the ball. Imagine this one. This one was crazy far. His feet was just caught slightly on that angle, and it was able to be released. Let's take a good look at that. Look at this. Let's pause that right there. Nice and cocked. He was able to release it exactly the way he wanted that is the key to that release. That is the key to that shot. I'm telling you. As a matter of fact, if we go here and we look at how he utilizes his body and gets into the lane, he's always on his toes. He's always falling forward. That's what makes his shot undefendable. Stop right here. Let's take a look at this. He's planted. He is set in the right position. The ball is high already. He has the perfect look for it. Look at those feet. The toes are planted, the heels are up, he's ready to dive right into that pool. And if you take a look, the ball is nice and high, he has a sight of the basket, he has a sight of his shot, he's looking at dead. His defenders are looking at him like, please no, please no. And obviously he said, it is too late, splash. That's how you play, that's how you dominate off of the toes. As a matter of fact, you want to be able to utilize this also when you use a floater. You want to get in, you pop in on the toes, you hop right off on the floater. When we take a look at Carmelo Anthony in last night's game, he utilized it as well. 
going right on those toes, setting it up. From the catch was made, he actually planted on his toes right there, and there goes the shot. Just that easy. See, it's so important to be able to utilize that and to be able to get on those toes and balance well on your toes like you're diving in. That, that's what makes it. Look at James Harden, the great creator of the shot. He makes his space, standing on the toes, getting back, one, two, on a step back, already on his toes, he's ready to launch. It is too late for anybody. Look at those toes, look at that shot. That's what does it, right there. And, when, and that's why we, when we look at things of this nature, we have to go back to the videotape. What are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? As we can clearly see, we talked about three different shooters, all had a great night, and all were on their toes. They were ready. So when opportunity knocks, you got to be there. You got to be ready to go. Man, that was a mouthful. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and practice. I'm going to get on my toes. My name's Coach Root. This is Ball Court. Hang around with me for the world of basketball. I have a special conversation with Latell Vaughn, publisher of Checkball Magazine. I have a question for you, Latell. Quick question. LaMelo Ball, Cole Anthony. Who's going to be the first pick for the 2020 draft? Can you answer me that? It's a question. I just got asked a question. Who would be the number one pick in 2020? Will it be LaMelo Ball? from Chino Hills, California, the younger brother of Alonzo Ball, the son of LeVar Ball, and the younger brother of Jello Ball? Or will it be the freshman sensation from North Carolina, Cole Anthony, who played his high school ball at Archbishop Malloy in Queens prior to Oak Hill Academy? Now, I've been knowing him for about four years. He's a mentally tough kid. His father was a great guard at UNLV, first played in Portland, who's from Las Vegas. Then he transferred to UNLV, and he was the straw that stirred the drink for that 1990 championship team as a junior. Played mainly for the Knicks. And it's a great question. Now, there's a lot of great guards in the NBA. That position is deep. So there's no clear cut of who's number one because you had a big kid at Memphis. Once he get eligible again mid-January, he could be the number one. You know, he's going through some situations that happened uh, with Penny Hardaway. But Wiseman could be number one. He played a McDonald's game also, and I was connected with him at that time. But Greg Anthony can get it done. He's more of a scoring combo guard who plays relentless. And he's different from his father, different mold. His father's more of a floor general and a defender, and he played from the neck up. Cole play is more of an athlete and more offensive-minded, and he plays more of a scoring point guard from not all the time being that floor general, nuances of the game type, but he gets it done. He's a relentless driver. He attacks. He's athletic, and he got the heart of a lion. And, you know, he was one of the best guards in the history of New York City in this era, and then he went to Oak Hill his senior year, and he was the MVP of the McDonald's game, the Jordan game, and one of the best players in the uh, Hoop Summit. And he also, he came to the Iverson game. We, we, we hung out in Philly a little bit. And the good thing about Cole, he don't duck no rep. When I first met him at the Pango Seas, he dug no rep. He played against anybody at any time. You know, he got that from his pop, who was a fierce competitor. You know, now you got a LaMelo. Whew, he's a different animal. You're talking about 6'7", play the one to two, shake and bait, court IQ, can pass the ball, athleticism, can shoot the deep ball, play with a swag. And I like Lonzo Ball, but he don't have his brother's swag. If he stay aggressive all the time, he could be good. But LaMelo Ball, he's aggressive all the time. He played in the Drew League. He played like a grown man. He played in over Australia and New Zealand. He played like a grown man. And his body is developing. His defense is improving. 
He's a special player in the future of the NBA. So that's two players that could be definitely the top five. It depends on the need of the team. So we don't know the draft lottery. You know, you got the big man Wiseman. You got some foreign players. You got you keep forgetting the game is an international game. So we, you can't just look at the college players because there's players from all over the world. So... Welcome back to Ball Court. I am Coach Drew, and this is the world of basketball. And this is one of my favorite segments. Yes, I had to, I want to get comfortable for this one. Shady or genius? Da -da -da -da. So guess what? Guess what? It's been probably roughly about almost a month and a half since the Ball family has made it on Shady or Genius. Welcome back. <laughs> Shady Eugenia Ted, we're going to be talking about LeVar Ball and the Big Baller brand. So, last time we spoke, the Big Baller brand was dead. It was defunct. There was no coming back. Everybody was saying it is absolutely finished, except for Denise White. Denise White, a spokesperson for LeVar Ball, told ESPN the Big Baller brand is alive and well. Wow. She called me a liar. Anyway, <laughs> so here's what they said, all right? The big baller brand is still working. They're actually looking to rebrand themselves. Yes, they're going through a step of rebranding. They're going to release their new website, bigballerbrandincorporated.com. So this is going to be something, or bigballerbrandinc.com. This is going to be a little bit different. They want to rebrand themselves, give a different name, and separate themselves from the scandal that was taking place. And for those who do not remember the scandals that was taking place, we're talking about former business partner and former, I guess, uh, stepdaddy or step-uncle or whatever. Alan Foster was uh, alleged... He conspired to um, embezzle millions of dollars from the big baller brand, taking a roughly in the amount of $2 million that they were actually suing for for the big baller brand. And he was going to actually allocate those funds to himself and some properties in Ethiopia. But it didn't work out. They found out about it. Lonzo cut ties with him as well as the big baller brand, and he's stated that the brand was dead on their TV show, Ball in the Family. But Denise White has told us the brand is alive and well. Now, I do hope that they do rebrand it and they build something a little bit different, especially now with LaMelo on the verge of coming out. Because let's take a look at this. If you lose LaMelo Ball for the big baller brand, it's over. The brand is gone. So whatever you're doing, you have to work fast, you have to be diligent, and you have to be accurate. You do not have space for error, like you did with Lonzo. Lonzo, you had a little space for error due to the simple fact of the matter is that nobody knew your history. Nobody knew about any embezzlement, nobody knew about faulty products, nobody knew about months and months and shipping delays and logistic errors, nobody knew about that. That was before. Now. You have to, you have to put together a great product because why would LaMelo pass up financially on the deal that Lonzo passed up on to go for something that may not ever happen, that may not ever come to fruition? Because everything that was promised to Lonzo with the big baller brand would have been promised to him with Nike. So now the big baller brand is forced to now do something that they were not ready to do. And what I mean by what they're not ready to do is now they have to. They have to financially compete with the big brands like the Nikes, like the Pumas and everyone when they come back out. So hopefully the rebranding is going to stay away from them doing sneakers and things of that nature. This way they can allow the rest of the Ball family to join in without financially handcuffing them and allowing them to experience other sneaker brands that will be a little bit better for them and it's a little bit more experience in the game. 
So right now, the simple fact that they are rebranding themselves, I'm going to go ahead and classify that as genius. But what Denise White said sounds a little shady, <laughs> nonetheless. So that's, that's our shady or genius right now. I'm hoping, I am hoping everything does work out. But if it does work out, maybe they'll have a shoot on our next segment called Let's Kick It. Let's kick it. Come on, y'all. Let's kick it. Yeah. This is Let's Kick It. And if any of y'all been following the show, you've heard about the spinoff. We do have a show called the Let's Kick It, Kicking It Courtside, which is a full-length version of this segment right here, where we talk about the sneakers that are going to be hot in the industry and what's popping. Now, normally, if you heard the show, if you heard the little spinoff show, I would have JT the sneaker guy to go back and forth with. But what we're going to do is I'm going to be doing the Let's Kick It segment right here on Ball Court as I normally do. So let's kick it. So first, we're going to start off with the Nike LeBron 17 more than an athlete version. Yes, I know I always talk about LeBron 17s. I know, I know. But this one was special. The reason why this one is special is because this is the more than an athlete one. And just like the more than an athlete Air Force ones that we had talked about a couple weeks ago on the Let's Kick It segment, it is also going to have the pen where you're going to be able to write in what you are more than. Especially that LeBron 17 front cover panel that covers over the lace and the tongue. You're going to have that on there where you're going to be able to write on there as well. Me personally, I definitely want one of those. Because I'm more than a host. I'm more than a coach. I'm more than a trainer. I'm more than an athlete. So I definitely, I definitely want one of those. So if you want, please, you can go ahead and gift them to me. They are going to be released on Christmas Day. So I am willing to take late gifts. I'm okay with it. I've came to peace. <laughs> so those are going to be fire. Now, first of all, if you know about the LeBron 17s, you know about the, uh, the cloth that they actually use and the material that they use to make the 17s. It's no different. It's that same material, but it's going to have that more than an athlete blue and the blue and white. One of the key things that I want you to go ahead and rock it with is, to be honest, I would wear it with, you can wear it with a Duke jersey if you are a Duke fan. And congratulations to you and whoever you are. <laughs> you are a Duke fan. That's one way you can rock it. But if you're old school like me, I would probably rock it with the Lincoln Jesus Shuttlesworth jersey. That would be the heat way to rock it with a nice little white t-shirt underneath because I'm not that brolic where I could do that. Now, we're going to go on to the next shoe, the Adidas Don Issue 2. These, I love these. These are beautiful. Now, they come in many colors, but the one that I like the best is the lime green right here because the, with the red stitching on the lime green, you can really see the intricate details of the Dawn Issue 2. Now, when you take a look at it in orange and the other colors, like the Crayola orange, I love the bottom of that Crayola orange, but the orange in itself, I am not in love with. It's, you, you lose a lot of the details on there, and it goes where you have to move up close to it, but I would definitely rock either one of those. As a matter of fact, all of the Dawn Issue 2s are pretty fly, I would rock them. I think that if you're going to wear them, though, just for the way that they look, just to the fact that it's a more conformed to your foot, you're probably going to want to wear tapered pants or shorts. And remember, the sock game has to be on point. With the green ones, I would do a lace swap in the right shoe just because the green pops with the whole green shoe, but the red laces in that will give you that nice Christmas vibe, something you could wear on Christmas Day when you're eating with the family. I think it would be nice and popping. You look like the Grinch, and you'll still have that whole little feel going to it, you know? Now, yes, the next one. This is going to be the perfect shoe for Christmas morning, especially if you're going to go to eat with your family. The Reebok Question Mids has re been re-released, and it's going to be the Heart Over Hype Edition. It's an all-red colorway with the black toe. Now... If you are a fan of the Reebok Questions, you have to get this shoe. It is the iconic look that Allen Iverson had when he came out with that, with that particular model shoe. This is something that you definitely want to jump on. 
and I myself am 100% on board with these shoes. Now, what I would rock it with, per se, of course, I'm going to go ahead and rock it with a jersey, but it's going to be a throwback Bulls jersey, but not throw all the way back to Michael Jordan, because that would be just disrespectful. You don't want to wear a Michael Jordan jersey, being for the fact that those were the shoes that Allen Iverson had on in a different colorway when he broke Michael Jordan. That's just wrong. You don't do that. I would probably wear it with a Derrick Rose jersey, uh, the Bulls Derrick Rose jersey. That would be kind of hot to rock it with, you know, um, or Jimmy Butler jersey. That would be kind of cool to rock it with. Now, as you know with the questions, you can wear those with jeans. You can wear those with um, fitted jeans as well. So this is going to be a very universal style. So that's going to be very popping. I, I, I enjoy what I'm seeing with that. That's going to be a great one. And that is actually going to be the final shoe that I'm going to have for you right now on Let's Kick It. But stay tuned. There's going to be more shoes next time. As a matter of fact, after Christmas, we're going to do another episode of Let's Kick It, Kicking It Courtside to talk about some of the shoes that were released on Christmas Day as well as what did you get. So stay tuned to check that out. That's going to be awesome. I want to go ahead and jump over to my last and final segment because I know that all of you have been sticking with me, hanging around. But here goes my segment. It is called Why You Ball. Yeah, Why You Ball. And on my Why You Ball segment, I like to talk about our high school players and our younger and younger that has been making a difference. One of the key things that has happened this Saturday that I find to be a generational topic for the YU Ball is it wasn't a big event like the Mikey Williams when he dropped 77 or when he dropped 51. It wasn't a big event like that. Or it wasn't a huge event like when Diamond Johnson signed to Rutgers. But it was a big event nonetheless. Yes, Ronnie James scored the pivotal points in the Sierra Canyon game over his father's alma mater, St. Vincent St. Mary. And the true part about it, that why it made the show, wasn't those points. It was the moment in which it happened. Yes, I want you to sit and imagine as a father and a son. The son is in the arena that his father built, wearing the shoes his father wore against a team that his father donated the uniform to, to play the game in the same game that made his father the king. When everybody sat down and thought about it, took a minute out to say, man, 18 years ago, I sat and I watched LeBron James on the same floor, in the same game, in the same tournament, wearing the same shoes, and he was just as amazing. It was something that you stop and you think to yourself, wow, how life has changed. How things have became full circle. See, to me, this moment made me think about my father. I remember watching LeBron James in that high school game. I sat alongside my father in Florida, where after he had moved to Florida, and we sat and we watched that game in his den. He told me, watch out for this kid. He's probably going to be the next thing to change basketball. I was young and stupid at the time. I said, there's no way. Of course, he's playing against high school kids. It looked great against high school kids. But how will he match up with somebody in the league? Quickly, by his first game, he was able to change my mind. So I sit back and I listen to some of the commentators and I listen to people on Instagram how they talk about Bronny now. They said, well, Bronny's just a regular degler. He's just, he's just put into the spotlight due to his father. But how many of our kids would be able to handle that spotlight as it shines as bright as it does on Bronny? I know that my daughter, she plays basketball, and she's one of the toughest I've seen. And she goes out there, and still, in big games, you can see the light shines on her different. There's certain people out there that it's not about just their talent. It's how they handle the pressure that makes them different. We all know that one kid that was able to ball better than Jordan when I grew up. We all knew that one guy who we all said, man, he was going to be better than LeBron one day. We all remember them. But what happened when the lights went on? What happened when it shined bright the most? They turned and ran. But Bronny didn't. He showed up. 
He played great. And it was in a moment that was unlike any other for him. It was his first high school game in front of his father. Now, you say it may not mean a lot, but it means the whole world to a child. To play a game in front of your mother and your father, it doesn't matter that they're LeBron James. It doesn't matter. Uh, play your high school game in front of your mother and your father with all the world watching for every mistake. It takes a different kind of animal to do that. And for you, showing that you are willing to step up to that Bronnie James, for you, I salute you, and you are a YU Ball Player of the Week. Keep on doing what you're doing. Keep on shining. You come from a, the James Gang is a family of stars, so keep on shining. Keep on doing your thing. I'm going to keep on reporting every time you do something to make me smile. And LeBron, we're going to keep on reporting on you because you're LeBron, you're the king anyway, so, you know. So, so with that being said, I want to thank each and every person who came out and been listening to the show, been making this show the huge success that it has been. I want to thank each and every person for giving me the opportunity, especially CWN Sports. They keep on coming out. They keep on putting me on the air. And guess what? They gave me another show. Wow. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I really do appreciate it. I want everybody to show the same love to Let's Kick It, uh, Kicking It Courtside that you do to Ball Court and Fusion Sports. Always give a shout out to my girl, AZ Manning. She's doing her thing. Yes. And we also want to go ahead and wake up. If y'all have not been waking up and listening to the Sean Harvey Morning Show, please get up. Listen to them. If you're on Facebook Live and you can't wake up, I understand. You was partying the night before. Alcohol does that to you. But you can still listen after you get up. That is awesome about it. That show is so funny. I love them. I don't get Most times I get to catch them after. But still, I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it. And, of course, check out the Blitz. Check out the Blitz. I know, I know, they're controversial. But they're funny. You gotta, you gotta admit that. These guys are amazing. And all of the CWN family, you can check us all out at CWNSports.com. If you are on Tiki Live, check out CWN Network there. On your Roku, you can get your Tiki Live channel there and add on the CW Network. Also on Apple TV. Yes, we are everywhere. We are taking over. And I want you to be a part of the movement. Right here on Ball Court. Thank you for joining me. I'm Coach Drew. This is the world of basketball, and I'll be right back with you next week. Ball court with Coach Drew. World of basketball. Now go hit the showers. This is a CWN Sports Network presentation.